We are in the, uh, the last part of a five-part series, and uh, by no means has this been an exhaustive study of this. Um, ultimately, ultimately, I guess you could say that Genesis to Revelations is about ditching the baggage. It's that all of a sudden, in a moment, humanity in the Garden of Eden became saddled with the weight of sin and shame and death. And the whole rest of the story is about how God began to intervene and began to change the scope of humanity and bring us back to himself. And um, as we go, I don't care if you're a brand new believer, you're going to have some, some stuff in your life. As we are walking in and been walking with God for years, God's going to go and stuff that maybe was no big deal two years ago, all of a sudden God says, okay, now I'm tapping on your shoulder now. It's time to deal with this. This is something that God is carrying for us forward in in our lives all the time. So if you've got your version notes opened up there, um, then uh, let's, get those, let's get those cranking. And if you've got your bulletin, we're just going to follow right along. And uh, we've been chewing on this thought that as we journey through life with Christ and we allow the Spirit to grow us from the inside out, again, that's what we want. This isn't about us trying to figure out some stuff to... to to, to hang on the outside of us to make us look a little prettier for God. This is about allowing His Spirit to do the work He wants done in us. And we allow the Spirit to grow us from the inside out that we are going to have to let go of some stuff, some baggage that's weighing us down. This, this junk we just keep uh, carrying through life. We've got to be willing to let some of that go. And this has been our, our pivot point scripture that uh, <clears throat> where Jesus tells us in Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's some learning process in this, folks. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I tell you what, we all appreciated that extra hour of rest. God wants to give us that kind of rest for our souls. For my yoke, his yoke, is easy. And his burden is light. Well, here we are as we're coming. We've talked about a number of pieces of the, this, this process. And um, that what we want to do is we want to make sure that we have this in our, in our minds. That we do not have to stay in the cycle of failure and shame. Okay? That over and over again, that people can keep going around the mountain, as the little expression says. Oh, I'm going to go around the mountain one more time. Well, guess what? we got a mountain moving God. You know, it's not that we just put the mountain in the rearview corner. Let's just make the mountain gone. You know, our God just, where it's not like there's this thing that we're leashed to it. And if we don't watch it, we'll go back to it. No, God, God we got a mountain moving God. Let's just get this junk out of our lives. Let's ditch this mess. And, um, and so, and also of hurt and hate. There is that place where so many people feel like they can't really get ahead in life because they get hurt again, and then they get angry again, and then they're stuck back in that place again. We can break that mess off, and we don't have to live in that cycle. We can be free, and we can stay free, and that's the whole point of what we're going to be talking about today is that thing of, of, of living in that. Because there is this point where where we get free, and the enemy wants to come in, and a lot of times our own life patterns and life cycles and wrong thinking and all of this process begin to try to pull us back. And that's exactly what Paul is telling the, the people in the area of Galatia right here. He's reminding them it is for freedom 
that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. They had a yoke of slavery on them. Now were they slaves with you know shackles and chains and you know rowing in the bottom of a boat? Something? No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the slavery to <clears throat> to either sin and shame, or this slavery to religious practice. And that one was the one that was honestly that he was addressing. That trying to come back in and then getting back into this works mentality. But either one of those things <clears throat> can come in and try to enslave us again. So we're going to look at some stuff that's going to help us in this process of staying free. And one of the first things we need to do is we need to stay aware. We need to stay aware. Folks, um, the Galatians were drifting. They were gravitating. There was this pull on them, and he is waking them up. Wake up. Don't slide back into this. And what we need to do, and this isn't something we talk about all the time here, but we need to be aware that there is an enemy. And so I've got a little video I want to show you. You're going to say, what does this have to do with anything? But I, I think it just pinpoints the, the, the way we tend to handle this subject. You roll the video for me. There's nothing more we can do. We need to evacuate now! I've lived here my whole life. I'm not leaving. The Weather Movie to end all weather movies. Heavy Dew. to look at dealing with this this enemy this this adversary the, the devil like this it's either people gravitate and they make too big a deal about something or they think it's all a bunch of jokes they tend to deal with the one that way or other. it's either oh it's just this this way horrible deal and we just can't handle it and it's really not that big a deal he's a defeated foe or it's eh. That's just, we don't, that's just, it's just comical that we would even address this. No, no, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. The truth lies in the fact that there is an enemy. And folks, we have to stay aware. Now, no, by no means are we getting to this place that we have become so enemy conscious that we forget that we, have, that we live already in victory, that he's already whooped. But we need to understand that what he wants to do is dupe us into this place where we're not living in that victory anymore. See, 2 Corinthians 2 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. There are schemes. He's got schemes. He's got plans. Guess what? The devil hates your guts. And he hates you even more that you know Christ and that you have slipped through his eternal clutches. He hates that. So now his plan is to just get you to live hell on earth. You can't have you in hell forever, so he's going to get you to live hell on earth as much as possible. That's his plan. He hates your guts, folks. And so we need to be 
not be unaware of his schemes. Now, you're going to think I made an accident, a little, a little mess up right here. But I did this on purpose, okay? Because we want to see these schemes in this number one place where, where we get tripped up, okay? We looked at verse 11 first. I want us to now go right back to the same passage, and let's look at 10 and 11. It says, For if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. What I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. What's his number one scheme? This place of unforgiveness, folks. One of these places of baggage we've dealt with. Every time we've been together on this series, this little subject has been dealt with. That number one scheme is to get us offended, to get us twisted, to get us whatever. Okay? Honestly, honestly, you know, um, Celebration Church exists because we know there's plenty of people that are out there that are offended at the church as a whole and kind of said, I'm done with that. And that, that's, that's why we hopefully present church a little bit different so that people can say, ah, you know, I kind of said no to that, but I don't, I don't want to say no to God in general and, and I'm willing to kind of see this again. We understand that this happens. By no means is anybody being condemned for this. What we need to understand is that is a tool. That is a tool of the enemy to try to get us isolated and then just whoop us real good, folks. This issue, this issue of unforgiveness, it's not just this baggage we need to let go of. It is one of the number one schemes of the enemy. We have to be violently persistent on this area of keeping ourselves cleaned of areas of unforgiveness. We have to reject offenses and then the bible tells us that offenses will come we just have to not lay hold of it and let it define us people are going to be jerks people are going to do jacked up stuff to you you just have to begin to understand that there is a bigger assignment connected to that than just that thing on the surface that that is one of the schemes of the enemy to come in and to get a root hold in your life and begin to jerk you around every which way <clears throat> we have to when we're going to live in this place of freedom we go oh thank you god thank you god i finally dealt with that issue with that person and i'm feeling so much lighter and i'm living so much freer okay then understand that the enemy hates it that you got loose and he wants to try to come in again and we have to understand we don't wrestle against flesh and blood the jerk that hurts you isn't the real jerk. There's a jerk behind the jerk. Okay? It's true. And that's the one we need to deal with. And know that Jesus died for the front jerk and whooped the back jerk. Okay? And so we have to, we have to stay on top of this. Otherwise, we'll make the front jerk our enemy and we'll get beat up by the back jerk. Okay? We have to deal with this in the right order. Okay? I don't want to over-belabor that, but folks, if we're going to stay free, we have to walk into this wide-eyed. Okay, we have to walk into this wide-eyed. The next thing we have to do is we have to stay alert. We tend to can get a little bit lazy in our lives. We get into routine. We get into this place of monotony. We get into this thing, and we quit being alert. We've got to stay alert, folks. 
Um, I've shared with y'all before that, that my daddy hates snakes. He hates them, hates them, hates them. My dad works in West Texas oil field and has um, had a truck out there and all around. Of course, there's just rattlesnakes and all sorts of stuff out there. I uh, made the uh, unwise mistake one time that my buddy Brandon Moore had a taxidermied rattlesnake coiled up back when I was in college. And uh, I borrowed it or, and stuck it in my parents' unmade bed. And my dad pulls that back and sees this taxidermied real coiled up rattlesnake. Thankfully, I wasn't there. Or else I may not be here today. And I found that rattlesnake in the trash, and I didn't touch it. Brandmore lost his rattlesnake. <laughs> but I wasn't touching that thing. I was not bringing that thing out of the trash. And uh, um, he just scared of him. It just, it just messes, you know, it just messes with him. Well, he, he's out on locations and stuff a lot, and years and years ago, and he always knew shut the truck door, shut the truck door. And he runs up, he deals with automation, so he had to run up and get a reading on some piece of equipment. And throws the door, runs out of his truck, and leaves the door open. Okay? And goes and, and makes a reading on the piece of equipment and turns around just in time to see the last six inches go into the cab of his truck. So it was a bull snake, it wasn't a rattlesnake. But man, I tell you what, it, it just it, 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 it scares me. It makes me laugh. It's messed up how we can do both things. When I think about what had happened if my dad did not see that rouse, that little snake go up in there. And if he had been driving down one of those lease roads and that thing popped its head out with him moving down the, uh, moving down the road, that would have just not been a good sight. Because he had to pull both feet up and you, you can't touch the brakes. You can't do nothing. Last thing in the world you want to do is stick your feet down there and that's what you got to do. And um, so thankfully he saw it. Thankfully, out of the corner of his eye, he saw it. And a guy with some, you know, uh, a little more uh, testosterone or something uh, with some welding gloves reached in there and grabbed that sucker and pulled it out and uh, saved my dad some real mess. But when that's, things can kind of slip in. We get into a little normal routine. Um, you know, they say on the construction site, it's the rookies that chop their finger off. And it's the guy has been doing it 25 years that chopped their finger off. Isn't that right, Rocky? <laughs> and uh, why? Because they're either ignorant or just got used to it. Just got used to it. We need to stay <clears throat> alert. See, Luke 4 <clears throat> tells us that Jesus answered. It says, <clears throat> Do not put your Lord God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting... He left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news spread, <clears throat> and news about him spread through the whole countryside. You see that thing that the enemy left, and Jesus resisted him, but said that he was going to come back at an opportune time. Okay? Just understand that just because we're, you're living free doesn't mean that, that you, know, you can all of a sudden just totally, totally ignore that there's an enemy there. It's not that we live in some defensive posture all our lives. We just stay alert. He's already whooped. All we got to do is just remind him of it whenever he tries to poke his head in. First Peter 5 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around. I love it that it says this. Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's not that he is a roaring lion. It's that he's... Like one. He's like got this little Halloween costume on. And he's like 
trying to get somebody to believe he can actually whoop them. And then somebody does, and then he, he, he gets his uh, devouring done. We have to stay alert. The next thing we have to do is we have to stay humble, folks. We have to stay humble. We, the victory that we have came from Jesus. And we have to stay reminded of that. And then when we begin to exercise the authority that we have in Him and we gain victory in our lives and we move forward, we can't begin to take the credit for it or think, man, I got this Christianity thing done. I'm good. This is all whooped. All's cool. We, <clears throat> and begin to get self-absorbed. We have to do this thing of staying humble. And I, we'd had a wonderful men's lunch this past week. Thank you guys for being there. I'm sorry, guys, we got beat again. <laughs> women beat us again. Had 14 men there, and the women had 19 women. Oh. Women apparently like to eat and talk more than we do. Oh. <laughs> I better watch this, too. Um, but there we talked about, and, and I used as an illustration, um, a guy who used some humility that is not typically associated with humility. And that's a guy by the name of Cassius Clay or changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Um, Malleus Boxers, I think he invented trash talking and brought it into a professional level. And, um, and not associated with humility. <clears throat> but whenever he has had tried to gain the title for the second time after he spent some time in jail and lost his right to fight, and was coming up against George Foreman, Mr. Heavy Hand Foreman. 36 fights, most of them not going past the third round. George Foreman had just knocked out two guys that Ali <coughs> had lost to at decision. George Foreman. Muhammad Ali is getting a title shot against him. And somehow was humble enough to understand, I can't go toe-to-toe with her. And he developed, or at least is credited with developing, the whole uh, um, concept of rope-a-dope, where he lays on the ropes and allowed all that energy that George Foreman hit with so hard to be transferred through his body and absorbed by the ropes and was able to wear him out, go the distance, get an eighth-round <clears throat> punch, knocked him down. George Foreman didn't make the count. And surprisingly, through this place of humility, of understanding that he wasn't going to be able to take those punches. He had to come up with something else to be able to make it happen. Was allowed <clears throat> something that would, could take the punches and allow that energy to be transferred. Folks, when in life, we have to stay on, on our Lord. We have to lean on Him. We have to cast our cares on Him. See, Micah, and it takes some humility to do that. Micah 6 8 says, uh, he, the Lord, has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. New Testament writer James reaffirms this, and I want to read it to you in the message. It says, so throw all spoiled virtue. That's our kind of attempt at being all sweet and godly. Throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. See, that's what we talk about all the time. We're letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. We're letting Him bring up the subjects that need to be dealt with. We keep saying yes every time the Holy Spirit says, let's go here, and then we just love each other. And even if, if something about you is annoying me and the Holy Spirit ain't dealing with it, I just let it roll. 
Because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead. This is what it is, folks. And it takes this place of humility. Then we have to stay honest. We have to be honest. We get to free from embracing and being honest with God. And we have to stay there. First John 1 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and, and just. We covered that a couple of weeks ago, that it really is just that He forgives us of our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. From unrighteousness. That's just anything that isn't right in God's eyes. He, he begins to remove it from our lives. If we claim that we've not sinned, if we say, Ah, no, I'm good, I'm good. Then, <clears throat> then we make Him out to be a liar and His Word has no place in our lives. We're not embracing it. We have to stay honest. God, I still need you. I needed you on that dark moment, on that place where I said yes to you, and I still need you today. Lord, continue to work in my life. James 5 and says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, wait a second. God wants to involve somebody else? What's up with this? God, why do you want to do that? Can't I just talk to you, God? Yeah, a lot of times you can. But sometimes you need to, to, Him to manifest through somebody else. Part of the body. And you just be honest with them. And you, man, I tell you, that is trust. You're trusting God. That you're going to be vulnerable with somebody He wants to minister to you through their lives. Then we also have to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you. You have embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Spirit of God is alive in you. Let's stay dependent on that. Don't say, oh, thank you, God. I, I, thank you for doing that. Now I've got it. No, we stay dependent. Why? Because 2 Corinthians says, Now where the Lord, now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we will follow the leading of the Spirit in our lives, He's going to keep us in this place of freedom. We will stay free. It's when we take the reins back that we stick it in the ditch again. Okay? We keep the reins and, the, and let the Spirit guide us. Then we, we stay where we're supposed to be. We go, oh, cool, I think I can do this. Boom, in the ditch again. Okay? We have to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the last thing we want to wrap it up with this is that we need to stay conscious. Okay? Stay conscious. So wonderfully aware and in tune and embracing the completed work of Christ on our behalf. Man, I tell you, when we mull that over and know it and are aware of it and embrace it, I tell you what, we'll just live in that place of freedom. <clears throat> Here in 1 Corinthians, this passage, this is what we did just a little bit ago with communion. Communion helps us to stay conscious. On the way out, we've got plenty of these little communion cups. If you want some, take some with you. Keep it in your car if you need to do communion on your own. Take, them, take some home with you and do communion as a family. Do something where you stay conscious that this relationship with God thing isn't about you and all the little ho hoops you have to jump through. Stay conscious of the fact that He lived for you, He died for you, and He currently lives to make intercession for you, and there is freedom in Christ for you here and now, and that you're going to do that. It's not... This weight isn't on your shoulders. Why? Because 2 Corinthians is true. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. He is growing you and working in you. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. 
God isn't mad at you for your mistakes. He vented his wrath on, on the cross, on Jesus. He is simply coaching you to himself. He is simply growing you up. He is simply using his spirit. Man, do not get under that mess. Don't. Just let God move in your life. Why? Because when God asks you to let go of something, get this down, get this down, get this down. When God asks you to let go of something, I don't care how much you've identified with it all your life. I don't care how much somehow even through the pain you find a little comfort in it. I don't care whatever. If he asks you to let go of something, he is simply working to get us to live in the freedom that Jesus has made available for us. Folks, let's seriously, seriously, let's really live free. Let's really travel light. Let's really allow the fullness of all that Jesus did on our behalf to begin to express itself in us and through us. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference, all the difference in the world. But you know what? That, all that begins, and it's, that process starts in a moment. And you have to immediately say, and embrace and say yes to God. He is, he is knocking on the door of your heart. You have to say, you know what? I need you. I need you. I've taken the controls. I'm in the ditch. I've stayed in the ditch. I've lived in the ditch. I've built the condo there. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm ready to have the life that you give. And you'll, you'll only get that. you only get that. By embracing and saying, you know what? Jesus, you paid the price for me. I take the free gift of life from you and I now allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in me and transform me from the inside out. I'd appreciate it if everybody could just kind of bow your heads and create a quiet moment here. But if that's you, if that's you and you're here to say, you know what, Brandon, I want that, I need that, I take it right now, then I want you to just raise your hand up and say, you know what, I'm taking God. I'm taking the, the gift of life that he gives me. All right, awesome. 